Well, howdy! For the second time today, this is the Views from the Shop podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller, and today it is Wednesday, again, February 14th, 2024. If you listened to the Wisconsin Review episode earlier this morning, you know what today is, so I don't need to tell you. And today, we've got the first ever emergency podcast in Views from the Shot podcast history. You are witnessing history not only in regards to Ohio State basketball, but in regards to this podcast. Chris Holtman has been let go from Ohio State. The language that we are being communicated is Ohio State is parting ways with Chris Holtman. And on today's show, we are going to cover that and more. So, no idea how long this this show will go, but appreciate you being here. Here's what we're going to cover today. Number one, instant reaction to the news, including how long will a rebuild tank. Number two, the transfer portal and everything surrounding that and how this can be a really, really interesting type of situation for Ohio State. The landscape we'll talk about as well in terms of what this job looks like to the market. And finally, yes, we will talk candidates. I haven't really gone into candidates yet, but got some names that I want to share with you that I think could be a possibility for Ohio State as they begin their head coaching search. I have a feeling I'm going to have a few new people listening to the show today. So if you're new, it's completely free. I don't take any of your info. Doesn't do anything if you follow or subscribe or get your podcast. All you need to do is just hit that button. Doesn't do anything other than bring the show to you when a new episode comes out and you are still 100% well within your right to choose if you would like to listen to that new episode or not. Now, tweet it out when Chris Holtman, when the news had been confirmed that Ohio State's letting go, parting ways with Chris Holtman, tweeted it out essentially that, hey, this could be a multi-year rebuild for the Ohio State University Buckeyes. Now, what I meant by multi-year was literally two. However, some in the comments, quick to react, quick to speak, that's fine, it's Twitter, that's what you're supposed to do. Some of the comments, a little frustrated with what I've said, even one saying that I simply don't know ball. Is that true or not? Well, I don't know. Can you tell me what an elevator screen is? Potentially. Um, We're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about how long the rebuild may be, for what it's worth, my phone is is absolutely blowing up right now uh, with, with news, with people reaching out to me, with different sources and things like that. So I will do my best not to be preoccupied. So let's get into this, shall we? So that you can listen to my reaction. So let's start with an instant reaction. First and foremost, I have to start here. Many fans aren't going to want to hear it. Many fans are not going to be interested, and that is 100% okay. We don't have to agree on this. Again, this is the United States of America. Years ago, we could disagree on something and still shake hands and part ways and say, hey, thanks for the conversation. Now, not so much, which is a sad thing. Truly, it's sad. But here's the first reaction as humans that we should probably have to Chris Holtman being let go by Ohio State. Number one, we are all humans. 
just because Chris Holtman is in the limelight, just because he's making millions of dollars of years, millions of dollars a year to lead the Ohio State basketball program, doesn't mean that getting fired feels any less bad. Okay, so imagine I've been fired before. I've been fired from a from a job before in my career. And it sucks. It's horrible, especially when it's a shock, when you're at a poorly run or, <clears throat> pardon me, poorly run organization. If you're new to the show, you know that uh, I've lost my voice a little bit due to uh, the weekend in which I was uh, going nuts over Ohio State beating Maryland at the shot. So there is that. If you're lucky, you'll get another voice crack. Um, if you've ever been let go of a job from a job, you understand how it feels, how much it sucks, how disappointing it is, how you feel like a failure, how you feel pathetic. Most likely, that's what Chris Holtman is doing right now. Now, imagine that you've been fired, and then imagine that as you pack up your things and you head out of your office with your box of belongings, you've cleaned up your desk, and oh, you're heading to your car and there's about a thousand people cheering that you've been fired and you have no idea what your next step is going to look like. Now look, I get it. Chris Holtman, he makes millions of dollars. He He's going to be just fine if he never works again. But this is a good man, a good father, a good husband. Never got into any kinds of trouble. Sure, he got some technical fouls every once in a while. But the program was clean when Chris Holtman was here. And he was always kind to me. So I at least owe it to him to say, hey, you know, Chris Holtman, he was not the right fit at Ohio State. It was clear this season, more than clear, that he wasn't the right fit. Celebrating over another man getting fired, kind of kind of disgusting behavior for what it's worth. Good thing, though, he's not going to be on Twitter reading it. I can tell you that because he's told me before. Okay, so let's talk about the timing now. In terms of my instant reaction to this, the first place where my mind goes is, what is Ohio State going to look like moving forward this season? Well, number one, no idea who the coach is going to be. Most likely, it's going to be Jake Diebler stepping in for Ohio State. We'll talk about Jack Owens potentially stepping in for Ohio State as well as the interim head coach, the acting head coach for Ohio State. But the timing of this absolutely sucks for Ohio State. And this is where I get into some people saying, hey, this rebuild is going to take a while. There are some things that we are not noticing here for Ohio State basketball. Number one, okay, I, I got a, um, a comment from someone on Twitter saying, hey, how much can it actually hurt in the short term when they're winning six conference games as it is? Now, I 100% agree with that. There, there's no saving this season. Ohio State's not going to the NCAA tournament. They're not going to win the Big Ten tournament. Likely, they're not even going to the NIT this season, okay? So that is that. However, this roster is in for a major, major shakeup. Players commit to coaches. They don't commit to teams or programs or logos or uniforms. They commit to coaches. Because Chris Holtman, because there's been a head coaching change, at Ohio State, NCAA rules state that players can now enter the transfer portal within 30 days of that happening. However, Ohio State cannot grab players out of the transfer portal at this point. There's no one out there that Ohio State can go poach, but players can enter their name into the transfer portal. So that means Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Felix Akpara, Tayson Chapman, whoever you want to name, if they have eligibility left, they can say, you know what? I'm done. I'm gonna answer the I'm gonna enter the transfer portal and I'm out of here. Yet, even if there was anyone in the transfer portal for Ohio State to pick up, 
They can't because they don't have a new coach. No one can commit to come play for Ohio State because there's no coach to commit to. So you can say, oh, Bruce Thornton has had two great years here at Ohio State. He's really produced a lot. He'll stay. No. And the other thing that I'll tell you, and I'm not saying Bruce Thornton is going to be gone for sure. I'm just saying that the potential is there. The other thing that I will tell you about this is this has been an extremely close-knit, tight team. Chris Holtman has always had the hearts of the players in his locker room. And because of that, these players, as long as they weren't already disgruntled, which I can tell you for a fact that there are some players on the roster right now that are disgruntled. Those players are gone. I can tell you right now there's at least one player on this team who will not return next season. 100% certainty of that. I won't say who, but there's one player who's gone. Right now I can tell you that. There are other players who, if they still enjoyed playing for Chris Holtman and this coaching staff, there's no reason for them to stay at Ohio State moving forward. Now, as far as players that I expect to come back next season, the only players in my mind who I would say, yeah, I have at least some degree of confidence that they'll be back is number one, Devin Royal, number two, Evan Mahavey. Outside of that, on this roster, Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Felix Akpara, and so on, they could all be gone. I wouldn't be surprised. I think as far as the freshman class goes, Junie Mobley, I think, is absolutely going to reopen his recruitment at this point. Colin White, I think, is one player who probably sticks around at Ohio State. He's an Ohio kid. I think he did, in part, commit to a a logo and less a coach. And just from my read on the situation, I think that he will still be committing to Ohio State and playing for the Buckeyes next season. So that's three players on the roster. So, when you say, essentially, rebuilds can be done in a year, because of the transfer portal, you can go out and rebuild a team quickly. Yes, that is true, but you have to understand, this team is going to be completely gutted in a way that many rosters are not, because they are so connected with their head coach, and there's not really a lot of ties on the roster right now that would keep players from leaving. Now, if you've got a player, uh, for example, like Austin Parks, who would say, you know what, I, won't want, I, I would like to have more playing time. I'm an Ohio kid. I love the block O, but I'd like to get more playing time. Maybe I'm going to go commit to, I don't know, Xavier or something like that and have a chance to get some more minutes. That could be a possibility, 100%. But there, there's just there's not a lot of confidence right now that there's going to be a lot of guys who are around. So because of that, you're starting with such a smaller group in core. And if your core is Devin Royal and Evan Mahaffey, I'm sorry, but that doesn't inspire confidence in me. So you've got to go find six, seven, eight more players out of the transfer portal. And you've got to go get those players who are sweet 16 caliber players. You've got to face basically go grab Jamison Battle and six more Jamison Battles after that. That's going to be very difficult to do, but not impossible. So that's why I say it's going to be a multi-year rebuild because the timing of this sucks. Players can enter the transfer portal. Ohio State can't go grab anyone yet. They don't have a head coach right now. So that head coach, even if there was even anyone in the transfer portal to get, they couldn't get them. And this freshman class coming in for Ohio State is two players deep. And that is it. And if it's only two players deep and one of those two could be gone, who knows? Maybe two, but likely one of those two at least will open up his recruitment again. 
it's going to be very slim pickings for Ohio State in terms of what's on the roster this season. So sure, they can go grab some players. Whoever the new head coach is, he can go take you know one or two of his favorites like Mike Rhodes did at Penn State, for example. Micah Shrewsbury did when he went to Notre Dame. But the timing is really going to hurt Ohio State and its ability to get back on its feet. Had Ohio State waited to fire Chris Holtman, sorry, not fire, part ways with Chris Holtman, Uh, until the end of the season would have been better timing for that but because of the timing being now in the middle of the season I see potentially potentially a two-year rebuild no more though last thing I'll say uh there's there's no one on this coaching staff right now when it comes to instant reactions there's no one on the coaching staff that you can have faith in to lead this team uh anywhere forward this season we'll talk about Jake Diebler in a bit in terms of being a head coach candidate. But outside of that, Jack Owens is the only other assistant coach on the Ohio State coaching staff with head coaching experience. In five seasons at Miami, he never led the Red Hawks to a winning record. And in his final season, he returned 99% of his scoring production from the season ago and 98% of its rebounding. All five starters returned as well, and he still never led Miami to a winning record. So I don't have a lot of faith in Jack Owens. We'll talk about Diebler in a bit. No other head coach, or sorry, no other assistant coach on the team right now with assistant, with head coaching experience. Apologies. Okay. Let's talk about the landscape now uh, of what this job looks like. So let's start with Ross Bjork. Number one, I never really bought into the reasoning that Gene Smith wouldn't fire Chris Holtman before he left because it wouldn't be the nice thing to do or whatever, never bought into that whatsoever. And now Gene Smith has decided to do this midseason, and honestly, it's probably going to make him look better. Ross Bjork doesn't start at Ohio State until July 1st. He doesn't make decisions until July 1st. He will be with the team, with the university, I should say, starting on March 1st. So just in a couple weeks here, what they've communicated publicly is Ross Bjork will not be making any decisions until July 1st. Until then, it is all Gene Smith. That is most likely going to be at least halfway BS, okay? Ross Bjork is going to have a decision and a major influence in front of him here taking taking really the lead on Ohio State's head coaching uh, uh, situation here, essentially. Sorry, and I, I again, receive another text, uh, but but nothing nothing pertinent as of now. So we will move on. And let's also not forget, this is the Ohio State University. The football program just spent $13 million on the transfer portal, mostly to retain its current players on the roster. There is money to be spent in athletics at the Ohio State University. This is a marquee conference and a marquee program, and it will not be hard to find talent and candidates. And and these candidates will likely line up out the door for this job. So that's a good thing for Ohio State. The other good thing for Ohio State at this point is the Buckeyes are now ahead of everyone. If you think conversations are not beginning right now, you would be incorrect. And I can give you examples of that in past seasons and things like that. But essentially what we're looking at here is the Buckeyes are essentially raising their hands saying, hey, we're going to have an opening. Buckeyes are going to start having conversations with other coaches, not necessarily other coaches at this point, but agents trying to see, hey, is there any interest in this job? 
So then, when the season is over, Ohio State can not only be the number one job this offseason, but they can be the first to make a move. And I can tell you specifically, Chris Holtman last season, do you remember, and you're only going to get this on this podcast, okay? Do you remember last season when Chris Holtman, there was a report that came out that Chris Holtman was nearing a deal to become the next head coach at Notre Dame. I can tell you right now, not going to, I can tell you right now, that was true. Chris Holtman was ready to go join Notre Dame and be the next head coach for Notre Dame. The reason he backed out and decided to stay at Ohio State in Columbus, even dealing with the stress and the pressure of the job, knowing that this year could be it for him. The reason he came back is because that sophomore class, the current sophomore class now with Bruce Thornton leading it, he wanted to be back with them and to see them through. He also felt, as of a couple weeks ago, that he was going to get the opportunity behind closed doors. He felt he was going to get the opportunity to finish out this season and at least get one year with Ross Bjork. He felt that way, that he was going to get one more season after this to prove himself. And and even talking with Ross Bjork, that's what he thought. Obviously, that has not happened. But I share all that to say that when you make this move this early, look back. At, at, at previous coaching carousels, when a job is open and when all the jobs are open, but one is filled, you've now just lost one candidate. Had Notre Dame went with Chris Holtman, Micah Shrewsbury would potentially still be at Penn State and things change based on one move. So when you're number one, when you're the first in line to hire a new coach, you're going to have the opportunity to get the best of the best. So I spoke about kind of how long this rebuild will be. I want to touch on that again a little bit here. Uh, Like I said, many in the mentions are saying there shouldn't be any rebuild at all. Ohio State's best players almost assuredly gone at this point. Buckeyes have two freshmen committed to the program for next season. Maybe one by the time we're done with this. Even with NIL, Ross Bjork, athletics director, has said football is king. Football is king. He understands that. He comes from the South where football is king across an entire region. Football is king at Ohio State. And look at other programs. Look at Florida. Look at Texas. Look at Oklahoma. Look at USC. When you are a football school first, it is very hard to establish any kind of continuity with the basketball program as well. It can be up and down, up and down, because a lot of times the expectations are very similar for the basketball program as it is the football program, but the funding, the money isn't there. So for Ohio State, it's going to be nearly impossible to build that Sweet 16 roster with potentially no pre-existing Sweet 16 talent. So I'm just going to say pump the brakes on how long this rebuild should be. It shouldn't be more than two years. Yes, next year should be better, but we'll see, essentially is what I'll say there. All right, last, let's get into some candidates here. I've got several candidates that I want to go through. First, I want to talk about Jake Diebler. So here's, well, I'll leave that for the end. So Jake Diebler, okay, let's let's think about the decision-making process for Ross Bjork as the athletics director for Ohio State. This is going to be his first major decision in Columbus, picking the new head basketball coach for the men's basketball team. With that in mind, Ohio State and Ross Bjork cannot afford to miss on this decision, essentially because they just missed on their last decision on Chris Holtman. And Ross Bjork needs to make a good first impression. Jake Diebler would be extremely risky, 
not only because he has no head coaching experience, but as Ohio State's de facto offensive coordinator, Diebler has contributed to an anemic offense on pace to rank outside the top 40 in offensive efficiency two seasons in a row for the first time since 2016 and 2017. Everyone else on the list that I'm going to talk through has something in common that Diebler doesn't, and that is head coaching experience. And you can look at what happened to Georgetown. That's one example where you take a first-year coach on the Power 6 level. It's extremely difficult to be successful. So everyone wants Jake Diebler. I get that. It's a familiar face. He's a good recruiter. But to step up and be the head coach for Ohio State basketball, I think it would be a huge mistake for Ohio State. So I have to put that out there. Everyone else on this list has head coaching experience and is currently a head coach. So this is in no particular order. I've got a couple names here that I'm going to jot that I've jotted down that I think could be uh, at least worth reaching out to for Ohio State and some who I think 100% will reach out to them. So let's start with Greg McDermott, okay? Greg McDermott, obviously at Creighton right now, and he's had a lot of success with Creighton. Before that, he resurrected Northern Iowa. Uh, he resurrected that program in only about two years. After, I think, four years at Northern Iowa, he went to Iowa State and he he completely failed. He fell flat on his face. And that doesn't mean that he's going to fail again, by the way, moving into the Power Six. Creighton is technically in the Power Six now in the Big East. He's had 20 wins or more in every season at Creighton except for one, and he's going to get there this season. I believe they're at 18 wins right now. He's had eight NCAA tournament appearances in 14 seasons and won at least one NCAA tournament game in all but two of those eight appearances. So you're seeing the ability to sustain, to not only to sustain, but to establish first a winning program. You've seen the ability to sustain it and to win the NCAA tournament. Now, it's hard to do it, Creighton. It's really, really hard to do. You don't have the resources. A lot of times you don't have the recruiting, uh, the ability to get what you need to be at the level of a program like Ohio State or UCLA or fill-in-the-blank, Duke, for example. So Greg McDermott, I think, will be an option for Ohio State. He would not be at the top of my list. He wouldn't be in Tier 1 simply because he had the hiccup at Iowa State. Doesn't mean you can't learn because if you're a good head coach, if you're an excellent head coach, you're going to take your failures and you'll turn them into lessons. And the next time you get a job that is similar... You're going to go out there and you're going to do really, really well. And you're going to do things differently. So McDermott could be good. I'm not sure there's going to be interest there. We'll see. Next name I want to go to here is Chris Beard. Um, of course, has the domestic violence uh, domestic violence allegations against him. We know that. Uh, and that's how his time at Texas uh, just ended very quickly. However, he had successful runs at Texas Tech and at Texas. Now he's 18-6 and six at Ole Miss. Here's the thing with Chris Beard. The allegations against him, and from what I read back when this was all coming out, felt very, very real. In this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. And quite frankly, I am not an expert in the court of law, uh, nor do I want to be, uh, nor will I ever claim to be. So I can't really speak on that matter. I'm not going to judge a guy. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. But that along with his move from Texas Tech to Texas, they both feel rather grimy. And I would like to have a head coach of high character. Chris Holtman was a head coach of high character. I would like to maintain that at Ohio State. So, with that in mind, I'm kind of out on Chris Beard. 
Sean Miller is another name that we can talk about here. So obviously he had a spectacular first stint at Xavier. He won multiple conference titles and 325 plus win seasons at Xavier. Conference titles, by the way, they matter when you're not in the power six to me. You can't really advance to the final four. You can't move forward in the NCAA tournament a lot of times. So for what it's worth, when you're at a you know a mid-major, for example, like Xavier was back then, if you're winning multiple conference titles, and I think five seasons at Xavier, I'll take that. I'm happy with that. Then he had 12 seasons at Arizona. He never made a Final Four in 12 seasons at Arizona. And when you have that long, especially in a weaker conference like the Pac-12, where you can beat up on some teams and then move into the NCAA tournament with momentum, you'd like to see more production. And speaking of grimy character... Um, We'll never get the picture of him sweating through his shirt during the NCAA tournament. That's fine. Doesn't mean you can't be a good coach. But of real grime is he's also had wins and titles vacated at Arizona due to some violations as well. So not really all that in on Sean Miller. Wouldn't hate the move, though. Another coach we can talk about. Nate Oates down at Alabama. He took over Buffalo. He took over Buffalo. And in his last year at Buffalo... He went 32 and freaking four. I don't know how many head coaches could take a program like Buffalo to 32 and freaking four. Now he's at Alabama, of course. He slowly built up that program, got the number one overall seed last year. I think he's probably more of a fit for Michigan if the Wolverines decide to move off of Juwan Howard, although their AD came out today and said, hey, I haven't really thought about moving away from him. Well... Enjoy that, Michigan. Uh, I would not hate the move at all with Nate Oates. It's been kind of up and down at Alabama. Obviously, you have, again, some off-the-court blemishes with Nate Oates, specifically last season, but I wouldn't hate the move. I don't think it's all that likely, though, for Ohio State. How about Lamont Paris? So, Lamont Harris is, is currently, of course, at South Carolina. He turned around Chattanooga, and he improved the winning percentage there Every single season over five years at Chattanooga. Now at South Carolina, 11 wins last season. They're already at 21-3 and this season is South Carolina. He was active in the transfer portal last season. He seems to have promise as a recruiter. He does not have a lot of head coaching experience, though. But he is from Ohio, so I think there is potential there for Paris to come join Ohio State, potentially coming up here in the offseason. Another name we've seen, Dusty May, slowly built up Florida Atlantic. He, of course, made the Final Four last season. Now, he is from Indiana, so the ties to the state of Ohio, not really there. He also, he he coached at Indiana, I believe he was an assistant for, for Bobby Knight. Um, another coach who doesn't have a lot of coaching experience, but he's built up a program at FAU that never had any kind of basketball pedigree until he was there. So Dusty May is going to be a really, really hot name, I think, coming up in this cycle. Oh boy. Okay. How many do we have here? We got three more. This this one is going to be a doozy. Okay. Mick Cronin. i not sure how to feel about Mick Cronin, of course. Um, built up Cincinnati. He is from Cincinnati. Uh, really, really good at UCLA. He improved his winning percentage every single year since joining UCLA. But now I believe they're at 13 and 11. This season has gone horribly wrong. Uh, they, I think they've gotten a little bit better over the past couple weeks. Uh, forgive me, I'm not a huge Pac-12 basketball guy, but uh, I believe UCLA is playing a little bit better. Um, this season's not going well. There's clearly tension between Mick 
Cronin and the program and Mick Cronin, even toward his players. He, he's not been shy in his comments this season about his personnel in general and his frustrations with NIL and things like that. So could be a bit of a fireworks type of hire for Ohio State in that it would be a huge name for Ohio State to go get. And he's going to be a little bit more colorful. So I think there's potential there. Again, he's from Cincinnati. He's from the state of Ohio. I wouldn't be surprised if he's looking for a move. Exact same situation almost with Chip Kelly going to Ohio State in the football team, uh, leaving the UCLA as a head coach there to be the OC at Ohio State. Incredibly, incredibly tedious relationship there between the athletics director and and, uh, Chip Kelly. So I I think it could be a, a similar situation where... You're not necessarily looking to leave. You you don't hate it necessarily, but a change of scenery could be nice. So I think Mick Cronin could actually be an option for Ohio State. How about Pat Kelsey? He's a player's coach. Through and through, he is a player's coach. 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 He did a great job at Winthrop before joining uh, the College of Charleston three seasons ago. He went 31-4 and two seasons ago, 18-7 and last season. He's got no power six coaching experience. So that is that kind of worries at least me. Of course, at some point, a non-power six coach needs to step into a power six program and see success. But that that gives me pause again because Ohio State dealt with kind of a similar coach in Chris Holtman when they made that decision. And this hiring process is much different. Ohio State is out in front of it rather than being way behind. They're going to be able to get the best of the best. Pat Kelsey was born in Cincinnati. He's young. He's energetic. Players would love playing for him. So I think that's going to be an intriguing option as well for Ohio State. And the last coaching candidate that I would give here would be Steve Forbes. Leading Wake Forest, he, he's done a solid jo- job so far with the Demon Deacons. Uh, never won less than 24 games in five seasons at East Tennessee State, by the way. He, he has one year as an ACC Coach of the Year. Super, super well-traveled. So this is going to be a guy who I think super set in his ways, wants to do things a certain way. He, he's been around the globe and back several times at this point with all the coaching experience he has. So if you're going to hire a guy like that, Ross Bjork, better be 100% certain that they're going to be on the same page with the NIL, with the transfer portal, and things like that. So those are the, the how many do we have here? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Exactly 10 candidates that I would say would be at the top of the list for Ohio State. I guess it's nine because I don't think that Jake Diebler should be um, in consideration for this role. Jake Diebler, great guy, great family guy again. Uh, obviously related to his brother, John Diebler. Jake Diebler was was a spectacular uh, Ohio basketball high school player, uh, but I don't think he should be considered for the role at this point. So in terms of my favorite hires, I would probably highlight Nate Oates, probably, probably Lamont Paris, probably Dusty May, and Mick Cronin as my top four. And I would say Mick Cronin would be my number one. If he decides that he wants to make a move, then let's go get him. That would be my number one. Nate Oates would be my number two as of right now. If you can get either of those, Ohio State fans should be very happy and should be aggressive in their thinking of the timeline of when this turnaround could happen. So that's what I've got for an emergency pod. I'm in the middle of a freaking work day, and you've got me talking about Ohio State basketball at about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock 
in the afternoon. So, because I've done all this work for you, if you appreciate the content, please again, don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you are getting your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. I'm not gonna act like I'm the biggest insider at Ohio State basketball, I'm not. But I do have connections and I do like to leverage them for episodes like this. So you may miss out on more really, really good content if you decide not to subscribe. So I'm just saying. Also, make sure you find us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Shop Pod and on YouTube where more content will come during the off season. I appreciate you listening today. Ohio State basketball is in a, a, a much different spot than, than we expected coming into the day. And uh, we're going to see what happens from here. Again, we'll have a preview episode for the Purdue game coming up on Friday. A lot of news, a lot of notes coming up. Appreciate again you listening today. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks.